Welcome to God With Us with Pastor Daniel Hahn of the Pittsburgh Tri-Parish Lutheran Churches. It is indeed a great blessing to have you here with us today as we continue to share the exciting truths that are all alive in the Word of God. On today's program, Pastor Hong reveals through the account of Jonah at Nineveh how important our responses to God's Word are and can be. Let's join Pastor Han now on God With Us. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, grant us ears to hear your word that we might take it to heart and find in it repentance for sin, assurance of your forgiveness, and strength to live anew by your spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. A reading from the third chapter of the book of Jonah, verses 1 through 5, and then also verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to each of you from God our Father and Jesus our Savior. Amen. Every three years, that little reading from the book of Jonah comes our way in our Sunday cycle of Scripture. And every time I find myself being powerfully drawn to it, it might be that in this reluctant, even recalcitrant prophet, I see something of my own stubbornness that all too often pushes back against God. That might be part of it. But what is really compelling about this scripture is how wonderfully it magnifies the patient, loving grace of God that, at, that is at work in the world and in us through the gospel. Our text begins, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Those are golden words, a second Time. First of all, those words tell you what you need to know about Jonah, that he's the kind of guy that needs a second chance, that he has messed up and made a disaster of his first calling that God gave him. And second, and more importantly, those words tell us an essential truth about the Lord, that he is a God who gives second chances, a God who is patient and persistent, 
and kind. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Now let's get a picture of that moment in our minds. This second calling of Jonah comes to him at a time when he is sprawled on the seashore, covered head to foot in fish vomit. Jonah has reached the moment of his greatest degradation. The moment when the folly of his running away from God has become most pressingly clear. And in the lowest of his lows, God speaks to him for that second time, not with rebuke or anger. Not to say, I told you so, Jonah. But with words of gracious calling and invitation. Now before I go forward in our story, I want to back up a little bit. Just like Mr. Rogers' trolley, we're going to roll back before we roll forward. So here's the rollback. The book of Jonah begins with the first calling of Jonah. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. Or come up before me, rather. Go to Nineveh. That's the call. And there are countless reasons why Jonah might have found that call pretty distasteful. One of them might have been fear. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. They were the enemy. And Nineveh was not the kind of place where a prophet of God could expect a warm welcome. To be fair, the true prophets of God rarely found a warm welcome even among their own people. But a call to Nineveh may have sounded like a suicide mission. That would have been a reason to reject the call. But as we keep reading, it becomes clear that the real reason behind Jonah's taking umbrage at this calling of the Lord is his bitter hatred for the people of Nineveh. They are pagan. They are bullies. They are the enemy. They don't deserve anything good. They only deserve complete destruction. Fire and brimstone raining down from heaven to destroy them. As far as Jonah is concerned, they can literally go to hell. And Jonah rightly perceives that he is being sent to these terrible people of Nineveh on a mission of mercy. He perceives that despite their wickedness, the Lord still wants to help these people, still desires to show them kindness and call them back from a path that will lead to their destruction. And Jonah wants none of it. Like the hyper-partisan spirits of our own time, Jonah has no place for kindness or compassion toward those who are not in his camp. On receiving the call of God. It says, therefore, that Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He didn't just run away from the mission by setting out in the opposite geographical destination from Nineveh. Yes, he did that. He also fled or tried to flee from the Lord himself. And that, of course, is not a flight that has anything to do with geography. And that's a major point. In Jonah chapter 1, it says three different times 
that Jonah is fleeing from the presence of the Lord. But if you know the story, he doesn't get far. The ship he boards is caught up in a violent storm, and Jonah is identified as the cause of that storm. He tells the sailors the, the only way to stop the tempest and save the ship is to hurl him overboard. And amazingly, these unbelieving pagan sailors don't want to do it. They have compassion on Jonah. They try everything else first. They even come to believe in the true God through this experience. But eventually they're compelled to do exactly what Jonah said. They toss him in the water and immediately the storm stops. And they are saved. And at the Lord's direction, a giant fish swallows Jonah. Now a lot of ink has been spilled over the years guessing just what kind of aquatic creature this was that was able to swallow a grown man whole and which would have had sufficient oxygen available in its cavities to keep him alive for three days and three nights. For our purposes today it's sufficient to know that it happened and that God did it. We should also remember that Jesus teaches that this thing that happened to Jonah was a sign of a far greater miracle. It's a picture of the time when Christ was swallowed whole by death and spent three days in the belly of the earth to come forth in new life. Now it's in the belly of that great fish that, that Jonah at least begins to have a, a turning. He's in a sense buried alive. He's in complete darkness, in total isolation, probably doesn't smell very good either. He has no reasonable expectation for anything but death. And after three days in that damp darkness, he begins to pray. I called to the Lord out of my distress, he says. And isn't that amazing? Just three days earlier, Jonah had in mind that he could somehow flee from the presence of the Lord and now from the ocean floor. He perceives that even there the Lord can hear him and help him. And maybe you've had your own turn in the belly of the fish. Maybe you've been brought down into the darkness and to the lowest place. But you were not alone. The Lord was with you, working in you and for you that he might turn you anew to him. And his ears were attuned to your prayer. <clears throat> Jonah prays with confidence concerning God's deliverance. And the Lord hears him. It says the Lord then spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out on the dry land. I wonder if anybody on the beach saw that happen. All of a sudden this guy shoots out of the water like a trident missile and lands on the beach. That would have been some sight to see. And that's where our story starts rolling forward again. Jonah is there lying on the shore in slime and sand. He's seen these dramatic signs from God in the storm of the sea, in the great fish, in his preservation, in his deliverance. And if he's paying any attention, Jonah has to realize that God has not written him off. 
Although he has tried to run away, the Lord has been actively working to bring Jonah back to himself. You don't think God couldn't have found a replacement messenger easy enough? But he cares as much about Jonah as he cares about those people of Nineveh to whom he would send his word. And so we read that the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And for a moment it appears that everything's going to be great, for it says Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. So far, so good. Jonah arrives on the scene. The city is large and imposing, much larger than Jerusalem. And it's filled with the exotic, unfamiliar. He goes a day's journey into the city and Jonah begins to preach. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Someone pointed out to me that like any good sermon, this one contains both law and gospel. Nineveh shall be overthrown, that's law. A statement of coming consequences for sin. Yet 40 days? That's gospel. Well, pretty slight gospel, but it's, go it's good news. There's at least time to do something about it. There's law and there's gospel, but what strikes me most about Jonah's sermon is just how little there is of it. When Jonah's in the belly of the fish, boy, he's got a lot to say, a whole chapter's worth. When it comes to his own well-being and his own salvation, he's eloquent, poetic. But here in Nineveh, the lives on the line are those of his enemies, and Jonah is doing the bare minimum. His sermon, as it is written out in Hebrew, is five words long. Yet, 40 days Nineveh destroyed. Five words. Many of you have been waiting many years for me to preach a five-word sermon. Keep waiting. My point is, it's hard to see any real heart in this message. Where is the pleading desire of the prophet for the repentance of the lost? Where are the details of why destruction is coming or the information on how to avert that destruction? It's not there. Jonah does not even mention the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, at least not in the sermon as it is preserved for us. It's as if Jonah has resigned himself to outward obedience regarding God's call to Nineveh, but his heart is still far from it still far from the mission of God. Indeed, the remainder of Jonah's book bears out that suspicion. And I find myself convicted here about my own very weak prayers on behalf of those who do not know Christ and my own shallow witness to those who would perish forever without coming to know the only Savior of this world. Very much like Jonah, I'm eloquent when it comes to pleading for my own needs and cause and all too tepid in my prayers for friends and relatives that are now separated from God. But a miracle occurs. Despite Jonah's poor efforts, the people of Nineveh actually repent. The messenger was flawed and poor, but the word of God itself is powerful. It's living and active. 
it is able to accomplish the purpose for which God sends it. And so we read that the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Even the king is brought to repentance and faith. It's a miracle. There are other miracles in the book of Jonah. The stopping of the storm, the sending of the fish, the miraculous growth of a plant. But here is the greatest miracle. The people of Nineveh believed. Here we see God at work in the human heart, operating against its sinful and unbelieving nature to bring about faith through the power of his word. The conversion of a single person to Christ is nothing short of miraculous. And here is the turning of an entire city to God. And we know from history that the city of Nineveh was at a low tide at this time. They had experienced warfare, rebellions, famine, and some suggest that those experiences were the Lord's way of laying the groundwork so that the people of that city would be open to hearing the word of God when it finally appeared among them. That idea or theory seems consistent with how we see God at work in other times and places, and we may well ponder what it might take to bring our city and our country and even ourselves to such a place of readiness to hear the word of God and respond in repentance and faith. At the preaching of Jonah, the Ninevites believed God and were told that when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them and he did not do it. This turning from unbelief to belief and from evil to God was the Lord's desire and intent from the beginning. That's why, that's why God called Jonah. The Lord, he could have just wiped Nineveh off the face of the earth without comment if the destruction of those people had been his real desire. But he has compassion on these people. He desires not the death of the wicked. These people who are not even his own, who would be his enemies. He loves them. And so God's word today, wherever and whenever it is preached and heard, bears testimony to the compassion of God, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. The book of Jonah reveals the great compassion of the Lord, even for enemies. It's a compassion that Jonah does not share but that God wants Jonah to share. And God's way of inviting Jonah to show mercy is by showing mercy to Jonah and by teaching him. And the word of the Lord comes to Jonah then not only a second time, but a third and a fourth. Even when Jonah is sulking outside the city, bitter in heart that the Ninevites actually repented, the Lord continues to reach out to him, desiring to turn Jonah, even as he turned the people of Nineveh. And I tell you, the Lord is doing the same among us today. In our Lord Jesus Christ, we see the full manifestation of the compassion and mercy of our God. The Son of God has come to us not only proclaiming repentance and the forgiveness of sins, He has come as the sacrifice of atonement to win that forgiveness. We are godless 
Nineveh. We are hard-hearted Jonah. And God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. In the preaching of his word, Jesus Christ stands among us as our Jonah, but a Jonah with heart, with an earnest desire for our good. He comes to us as the one who has spent three days in the belly of the earth, but now is risen to endless life and who holds forth the promise of mercy to all who trust in him. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, be at work in our hearts. Chisel away at that which is hardened in us. By your compassion given to us when we do not deserve it, make us compassionate toward others. And as you speak your words of law and gospel to us, open our mouths to bear witness to you that others might know of your great love for them. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today on God With Us. Our speaker is Pastor Daniel Hahn of the Pittsburgh Tri-Parish. This program is brought to you by your friends and neighbors at the Tri-Parish Lutheran Churches of Pittsburgh. We invite you to join us for Sunday worship at one of the congregations of the Pittsburgh Tri-Parish. All are welcome. Until next time, may our Lord Jesus Christ, the God with us, always be with you.